Hey, what's up, guys? And welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. I'm your host, Melinda, and I'm joined by my co-host, Carmel. Bonjour. Oh, we're going French today. Mm-hmm. Are we okay? <laughs> In studio today, I'm so excited to have stand-up comedian and writer, Raja Michael. Yeah. Hi, thank you for having me. Of I'm course, excited thanks to be for, here. Thanks for coming, hailing all the way from the East Coast, New York. <laughs> yes. How do you like L.A.? I love L.A. It's home. I've been here for seven or eight years. Oh, so this is home now. Yeah, do you go back to the East Coast often? Now and then. You know, as long as it's not winter and it's not snowing. Girl, <laughs> tell me about it. I lived in New York for a few years, so oh, I know. So about, and then I moved to Chicago, which is oh the worst cold than New York. Oh, my God. Chicago's, like, disrespectful cold. Mm. <laughs> so I know all about that. I haven't been to either yet. You have, what? Mm-mm. Oh, you need to get out. Oh, yeah. like a, that's what I'm hearing. You really yeah, need to get yeah. out. I do. I, Go to Chicago first, because then New York will seem warm. Yeah. Wow, okay. But get, get to New York fast, because it's just changing so fast. It, it is. is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, get, yeah I agree with that. Before completely gentrified. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're like, because Harlem's starting to lose a little history, I feel like. A lot. It's <laughs> different. Yeah. It's different. That. I grew up in Brooklyn, and it's like, I mean, no more Astroland Park. It kind of feels like a oh, knife man. in the heart. Yeah. It's, it's wow. tough. Yeah. It's, it's tough. changing. It's, it's really weird because people always, like, when they find out I grew up in Brooklyn, they'll be like, oh, I lived in Brooklyn, like, to relate to me. Like, and I worked at this, like, artisanal coffee shop for three weeks. I'm like, listen, like. <laughs> That's not Brooklyn. Yeah. Gentrifying <laughs> in is not the same as being gentrified right. out. Right. <laughs> I mean, we don't relate. Oh, my gosh. Well, we're so happy to have you here. Thank you. Um, so a lot has been going on uh, the last couple weeks. Uh, I just was on Twitter before we even started doing this episode, and I was like, I'm not even going to touch what Donald Trump just tweeted. Mm-hmm. But um, wh- there's one thing I really do want to talk about that I think en- not enough people are talking about. In the last year or so, of course, we've had, you know, Time's Up and Me Too movement happen, mm-hmm. and we've had a lot of these uh, well-known people, high-profile people, um, these cases happen where they're being uh, accused of and proven to have been involved in sexual sex trafficking or sexual harassment, sexual assault in some way. But what I really want to focus on is kind of accountability of the people around them and how they've enabled them to even get to this point. Because a lot of these people that we've heard about, let's, you know, Bill Cosby, Kevin Spacey, Harvey Weinstein, Mm -hmm. R. Kelly, you know, all these people, it's been a known thing. For a while. For, for a long for a time. While. Open yeah. secrets. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I'm always so confused when it finally gets to the point where, you know, uh, legal action is being taken. Why, and not the women, because I understand the people, the victims that don't want to come forward. I get why it's hard. But I don't understand these people, these friends, these other people that don't come forward and say something. Well, I think a lot of it is these people are in positions of power and almost similar to their victim, there are people who are tangential to them are in fear. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, oh, well, this is my career. This is my livelihood. This is this. I'll just look the other way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you get numb after a while, 10, 15, 20 years of just seeing it. And then you're like, well, they're not saying anything either. And they're not saying anything either. Why am I going to be the one to jack up this quote unquote good thing? And then after a while, someone finally comes out and you're like, you knew. And you're like, oh, I did. But then you, you know, you had other priorities and it wasn't their livelihood or their their well-being it was yours right right yeah i think a lot of it like most people who hide it they have money to lose i've Mm. seen that or career status someone to you know their resumes get hurt by it but also i think a lot of men who know and i know it's not just men who abuse and i know it's not just men who cover up but i do see that a lot of the men who know a lot of times they don't speak up because i feel like um they're afraid to be mocked by other men Mm. for being like the whistleblower the guy who like kind of 
told on his boy or whatever, especially because it's rarely proven. You know, it's hard. It's a hard crime to prove. <coughs> mm-hmm. So a lot of times it's your word against somebody else's. And it's a lot of like that ma- straight cis male culture where you're not allowed to tell on your other men or it makes you soft or weak or like, you know what I mean? Like right. sometimes you see how bad men treat women and their friends know and their friends feel bad and they don't tell that girl she's getting played. Right. You think like, you known her for 15 years. Right. I cannot tell her. But there's this like bizarre loyalty mm-hmm. in in toxic male culture. For sure. And there's not enough protection, I realize. Because even like you saying, like this guy could have known this girl for 15 mm-hmm. years, but he's still going to protect the guy, even though that could have been like his little sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some guy he met like three times at right. a bachelor party. Right. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, what right. are you defending this dude for? For sure. It, it, it's never made sense mm-hmm. to me. And so, especially even with these high profile cases, like this recent case with Epstein, that mm-hmm. just made me sick to my stomach. Oof, and there's disgusting. so many. We were talking about this even before we started recording, just how many connections there are politically mm-hmm. with this guy. And if you want to wrap on that a little bit, what you were talking about before. Uh, yeah, I was saying, like, you know, we all know that he's connected with Donald Trump, but he's also very connected to Bill Clinton. And Bill Clinton, these rumors about him being involved in these, like, sex trafficking uh, circles have been around for, like, 15, 20 years. There's numerous women who spoke up about him uh, being a rapist and have mm. assaulted him. And you see a lot of, like, even a lot, like, Democrats were like, oh, Trump was involved. And, we, and like, all the Democrats want everyone to know, take down Trump, he's involved. But they keep not mentioning Bill Clinton and it's like just because he's your guy doesn't mean you could ignore it. I mean right. he's been the same people like hashtagging believe women don't believe it if it's Clinton's victim. Mm. You know mm. and it's like it's this bizarre thing that if you like I feel like it's easy to talk and it's easy to say you're an advocate until you have something to lose. Right. And everyone changes when they have something to lose even if it means like political party not right. you know winning and uh, a lot of uh, Hillary Clinton's like hardcore supporters in the last election used to frustrate me because they would say, we don't want Trump to win because we don't want a rapist in the White House. I agree. I don't want a rapist in the White House either. But if you if Hillary wins and her husband's living in the White House, we still have a rapist in the White House. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. we need to produce better candidates <laughs> rather than just yeah. covering yeah. up. Yeah. But even, you know, like all it's the so-called liberals and progressives are also as much part of this rape culture, defending it and protecting it when it suits our interests. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And see, this is why I always harp on politics because it doesn't matter. I don't care if you're red or blue. If someone's getting raped, someone's getting abused, someone's being taken advantage of, does it matter what, what party you're part of? Like, why are we still defending someone just because, oh, that's a Democrat or they're a, mm-hmm. like, I do not care. Right. It right. means nothing to me. If someone is affiliated to me in some connection, whether it's a career friendly uh just you know someone an acquaintance from someone else you do something wrong i don't know you anymore right i do not care i hate seeing people still hold on to something that's so like means nothing compared to someone's livelihood someone's well-being someone's health but uh, you know we work on the same floor or we came in together we're in the army we're in the navy we're the police uh, or, or family member. Right, family member. I don't care. Anybody, anyone that I know that's close to me that does something, you're not family to me anymore. Right, like, I, right. I just don't get holding on to that. And it's something that's not even on that layer. It's like the most like shallow stuff that they're still holding on to, yet you know they're hurting someone. And multiple people. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get that. I, also, I just don't get the allegiance towards party. Like, no. like, I don't get it. And it's supposed to be for the people, but nobody actually ever ends up caring about the people. Mm-mm. It's literally just this label of party. Like, we're Republicans, so whoever is a Republican, we're going to vote for a Republican and be for the Republican and yada, yada, yada. And same with Democrats. I've just never understood that. And I think we talked about this before on uh, another episode. But, like, in Canada, for example, they have, like, nine or ten parties and a bunch of candidates. Mm-hmm. But everybody just focuses on what the candidate has to say. Exactly. And if they're for the person. This division of just, it's always one or the other. We talked about choices and stuff. It makes no sense to me that it's, like, 
this is just what we have to, to, to choose right. from. America's one of the few places, U.S. is one of the few places where we just have two parties, and, which we don't. Actually, we do have more, but we're only allowed to know that we have two parties. Right. Right. <laughs> and I like how you put it. that, allowed to know. Yeah, right. that, that's a very good way to put it, mm-hmm. because there's there's the independent, isn't there the libertarian parties? There's the independ- green independence. Yeah, and I just wish that they were given the same amount of platform mm-hmm. and and. TV time and credit and interviews so that we could actually make choices like this is supposed to be a democracy. Well, let's say if someone actually, and this is probably a good question for Drexel, shout out to Drexel. <laughs> what if someone from those other parties were actually voted in and you have uh, Senate and Congress that are based on two political parties and the person in the White House is not a, either party? What happens then? I mean, that's a good question. It'll be a lot of gridlock, but that's also what happens when there's two parties, like what happened to Obama, mm-hmm. right? When he had a Republic, well, he had to deal with all these Republicans and he was a Democrat in the White House. So I think that grid- it will create gridlock, but that gridlock is still unavoidable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I don't yeah. think it's a reason to shy away from it. Oh, no, I'm all yeah. for it. And I it's like also chaos. more likely to get independence into local level politics, state politics anyway. So true, I think true. once we start opening up those doors, we'll see a lot of people in Congress and Senate and other seats that are not. Part, you know, either mm-hmm. party. Mm-hmm. And people will realize that there are other parties. <laughs> <Right>. I guarantee <laughs> yes. there are so many people that don't even know. And if we want to, like, especially as non-white people in America, as people of color, just like our, our uh, loyalty to Democrats is so funny. Because if we want to know how Democrats feel about people of color, just <laughs> listen to Nancy Pelosi talking about our freshman class. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. And listen to all the white women who are still defending her and calling her a hero. Yeah. Well, I mean, just in hearing her talk about, you know, oh, women had the right to vote in, in, in 1920. It's like, no, white women. Mm-hmm. Just say that. Mm-hmm. It's white women. Black women, people, women, other women of color that did not have the rights that you had. So until they're able to really have those conversations, you're very, very correct in saying that. Uh, but going back a little bit to what we were talking about with accountability with you know sexual trafficking and sexual assault and all that, do you think because of these people in high profile, money talks so much to get them out of these situations? Mm. Sure. Easy. I mean, think of this young man who who's a rapist. What was his name? He re- recently, very recent case where he was a young white man. He recorded himself raping yes. this young girl. I, I know exactly what you're talking sh- about. shared that video. With his and friends. The, with yeah. his friends. Mm-hmm. And in the video, called himself a rapist. Yeah, he was, I think the line really that he, he, was he texted and he was like, when your first time having sex is getting is, raped. Is ra- yeah. And then the judge let him go because he was from a good family. And Did he didn't want to ruin his education. Wait a minute, which case was it? Oh, I'm surprised I didn't send this to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was livid. But there was a lot going on also during that week, so I was like, I can't even deal with this. Oh, yeah, it's I got to send this to you. It's very, very recent. And then it just made me think about the Albert Wilson case. Mm. Did oh you hear God. about that case? No, I didn't. So this young boy from KU, uh, Kansas University, and uh, University of Kansas, whatever you want to call it, but um, he, I guess he met a, a young white lady from the same university at a party. They went back to her apartment, you know, made out, hooked up or whatever, but they didn't have sex at all. 15 minutes later, I guess they went, it literally was that short. They went back to the party. Next thing he knows, he's getting accused of rape. And now he was sentenced to 12 years in jail for never even having intercourse with and her. And what was their justification of doing this? That's what we're all still trying to find out. Yes. And when you read the court reports and you read the information that there was no like body fluids found inside of her, there was no semen, no nothing and like she, that. And is she accusing him of rape? 100%. It's it's <clears throat> and it is, the story is harrowing. Tons of video evidence showing them walking literally like across the street. Twelve fifteen minutes later, they come back across. Her demeanor's fine. Nothing looks out of the ordinary at all. 
it makes no sense. I wish I could make that. It, that remind me so much. How so do closely. I Google this? What was the name? Albert Wilson? Albert Wilson. Just okay. type in Albert mm-hmm. Wilson rape case, and it's gonna make you sick to your stomach. Wow. And it reminded me so much of the Central Park Five story. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. similar to that because they had no evidence mm-hmm. to convict these boys, and they ended up serving you know five to fourteen years in jail for something that they had no evidence None. on. None. I feel like with our society, we mourn. We don't mourn the, the what the victims lose because like they're not because you notice we never talk about the victims. The story is never centered around the victims. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's centered around the perpetrator. Like in this case where the judge said he's from a good family, we're still talking about him and yeah. not her. You yeah. know, and that's the number one problem. Like not the number one problem. One of the main problems is the victim is the story is always sent. The narrative is centered around the perpetrator, not the victim. Yep, always. Uh, and then also like we think we have sympathy for people that we in our brainwashed white supremacist capitalist mi- mindset we feel can contribute can contribute to society one day it's not even about that person it's what productivity they, th- they think they can offer mm-hmm. or in other words how much money they can make yeah. and how much money they could bring to the one percent of our society yeah. Yeah. so it's like if you can um contribute to like our unregulated capitalism you get to rape yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Wow. And it's uh, the more you can wow. and whatever feature you have, like lights, if you're light skinned, you're less likely not to get convicted than if you're darker skinned. Right. Because Absolutely. in our, like in our patriarchy, we see light skin as making more money, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though it's not true. We see it that way. Yeah. So it's like how whoever could bring more money to our system mm-hmm. gets to do what they want. We feel sorry for that. Right. Because one day they can be productive. For sure. And yeah, people of color, mm-hmm. there's this fake <laughs> narrative that we're aggressive, that we're mean, that we're, uh, I mean, we are strong as a people, but there's just, they have this vision of us that we're to be feared. Mm-hmm. When you, if you look at history, <laughs> hello, come on somebody. If you look at history, who have been the biggest perpetrators? It's not who even been, close, like, it's funny. It's not even close. You know, it, it, it blows my mind that people in power have been able to make people believe that all people of color are just bad. I mean, I just had this conversation with someone the other day and they were talking about, you know, terrorists and, you know, people bombing people. And I'm like, I'm just being like, like generally just aggressive. I'm like, what person has actually accosted you? Mm. Like literally to your face yeah. and to your personage. Oh, uh, one time I got into it with the, this redneck. Like, there you go. Not a not an Arab, not a Muslim, <laughs> right? Not another black person, right? Right. The person you're talking about is the person who's controlling the narrative. Yeah. The the, the literal media that's pumping all these ideas that the person you think is aggressive mm-hmm. is that person. Yeah. It's a white male. Yeah. I'm like, why aren't you mad at them? Oh, well, they're just stupid. I, I get that they're stupid, but I'm saying is you have this idea that it's me or it's it's my Syrian or, buddy. But, see, or some, but just saying, oh, they're stupid. It's like, oh, when they do it, it's okay. It's, it's excused. Okay. Right. There's, sure. there's a label yeah. and an excuse for sure. On it. Right. For sure. Yeah. And even if you think of the things that you people they that we think people could be dangerous about, what if they steal your wallet? What's the big deal? Honestly, you get another license and you redo mm-hmm. your credit cards. Mm-hmm. That's somebody who's stealing because of poverty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, you got yeah, five dollars. Yeah. Good. I hope you use that five dollars or something. To you do need. something good. Yeah. I'll get a new yeah. license. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. I mean, it sucks and it's inconvenient, but it's not really the end of the world. Right. Whereas, like the crimes that really take our life from us, it's like that person's a CEO, they're a business person, they're oh, and then you, we want to write these big biographies for Steve Jobs and act like they're a big deal, and they're the ones doing things that really hurt our right lives in the long Absolutely. run. Absolutely, and, and and it's funny that you said that when you ask somebody, you know, have you ever been assaulted by anybody? 
nobody that has these really strong opinions about people of color, I feel even know people of color <laughs> oh, no. or have had yeah. any, you know, conversations or interactions with them whatsoever. It's all what they've seen mm-hmm. and now they're just led to believe it. You know, though, I do think the few people who have really racist views who who have been really close to people of color are like underachievers for blaming the people of color around them for getting things. Mm. You know what I mean? I, yeah. The few times I see yeah. that they actually know people of color, yeah. it's like they're just not adequate in many ways. Right. And they can't accept that maybe their parents didn't teach them life skills or maybe their schools weren't good enough or maybe they're not working as hard as their mm-hmm. black or Latino coworkers. You know right, what I mean? Right, like, no, for And then, sure. then they blame them. So that's the only time where I see people have really intimate interactions with people of color who still see people of color as the problem mm-hmm. is when they don't want to take blame for their own shortcomings. Right. You know? Well, they've mm-hmm. also been taught mm-hmm. that be- being white, they should be able to get whatever <laughs> they want. hmm you know, be yeah. it a job or be it a shorter sentence for doing mm-hmm. something that a black person did. That's just what we've been taught in yeah. society. Or in this case, literally running a sex trafficking ring. <laughs> like, literally. And, you know, the thing with that ring is that it's been known, like, public, like, it's been public information for, like, over 15 years. Totally. Same with R. Kelly, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, but that shows with him, like, profound celebrity. Because, mm-hmm. If he were just any run-of-the-mill black guy, this would have been done. Yeah, long and, time ago. And you realize that he's only getting consequences once he stopped having a lot of money. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's very true. Yeah. Once his assets ran out, that's it, very see, true. His case is really interesting to me because I, I it's all his fault, and I get that one very clear. <laughs> but I'm saying a lot of people in the industry know that these parents were bringing their daughters to him to make them stars, mm-hmm. and. As you, to your point, when he could possibly do that, no one was saying anything. Mm-hmm. And as soon as his like, you know, celebrity status starts dipping a little bit, no one knows who R. Kelly is. All oh, you didn't do what you said. Yeah, I'm gonna extort you for some money. Yeah. So there, there's that situation to me is is not the same as some of these where people are just completely demonic, mm-hmm. like stuff that that J- Jeffrey Epstein did. These things are like completely just heinous mm-hmm. like you're putting you're completely using your power to completely overpower someone yeah whereas in R. Kelly's case yes again it was wrong what he did but someone's bringing you and trying to get you to like you know do this for that and, and it's what these parents have done and no, and no one's bringing that up either what these parents have done because people aren't talking about well that, that goes back to the accountability parents are responsibility. For them. I mean I think he's 100% responsible for everything 100%. he did mm-hmm. but the parents are also responsible for their actions yeah. for, not sure. Protecting their yeah. for sure for yeah. sure and that like I said that goes back to accountability as well it's like Come on, you're 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 supposed to be taking care of your child. Right. But also, how many people has R. Kelly discovered? Like, why would he be your choice well, person yeah. to help? Like, I, I've said this before. It's like, I mean, I would go to Usher before R. Kelly because at I least know. he helped with Justin Bieber. Right. Like, who right. has R. Kelly's who career has R. Kelly broken? That's Zero. what I never understood. It made no sense. He's not the he's not even on the list of people that I would be like, hey, maybe you know. Yeah, Jermaine Dupri. Um, I could list at least 15 people right now, and R. Kelly would not be even on the... 50 Cent, even. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for real. Yeah, I mean, he has a successful show. (laughs) Like, he's creating opportunities. Right. But, yeah. It's it's very interesting, because he was not on my... I always thought that was the funny part. Well, as people are so thirsty for opportunities. Yeah, they are. They are, for sure. People are so thirsty. And it's very sad when it's the parents who have more desire for that than the kids. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm, right. Absolutely. And one of the things, and I had mentioned this to Carmel earlier, that I always find interesting in these cases of, of people that have like consistent cases of sexual assault, everybody always chalks this up to mental illness. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I can't get on board <laughs> with that because to me, I'm like, some people are just really bad people. Mm-hmm. They're just bad people. And I, I, I'm curious your thoughts about that because I just don't, I can't go immediately to the mental illness mm-hmm. excuse. I can't. Well, I would say, like, I have depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. and I have post-traumatic stress, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm mentally ill, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, no, I don't see how that is the reason. I'm People could be pedophiles, and they could be evil and mentally ill, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. They could all work together. Mm-hmm. But no, you're not going to molest a child or rape somebody because you're mentally ill. That's ridiculous. I think we say that because we're trying to understand something that makes no sense whatsoever. Right, right. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then also we want to, like, instill, like, like our stars, you know, like Michael Jackson is a really touchy subject yeah. that people t- don't want to talk about. One is that he can't, he's not here to defend himself. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the main reason, because if you remember before he passed away, like Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle were joking about what, that he was a pedophile. No one got offended. Mm-hmm. But once you pa- he passed away, people want to remember him a certain way. Mm-hmm. And now people are getting offended. We used to be allowed to talk about this, right, you know? Right, right, Um, But like, y- you want to say he was mentally ill, make an excuse for him so you could still enjoy the beautiful art that he made. Because like, mm-hmm. there's no other artist like Michael Jackson that never sure. will, for ever sure. will be. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the other part of it is that the victims are children and nobody cares what happens to children. <laughs> but I think people say that because it's like we're trying to understand something and because the media we see mentally ill people differently than what the reality is mm-hmm. so the media you have like mike myers who was in like uh michael myers who was in a child mental institution yeah, 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 yeah. so like we have this whole we don't know what mental illness is mm-hmm. so we think mental illness is like this really exotic weird thing that makes people act a certain you know what i mean like yeah. there's this mystique around it so because we have such a lack of education uh, on what mental illness is, it's easy to blame everything on it, you right. know? But, like, no, I think, th- yeah, it, it's not – mental illness will do a lot to you, but it's not going to suddenly turn you into – I mean, pedophilia is a mental disorder. Yeah. You yeah. know, so, yeah, I understand, but uh, not everyone who has that disorder acts on it. Because mm-hmm. if you have empathy, you won't. Mm-hmm. Right. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. So it's more – I think it's more an issue of whether or not you have empathy mm-hmm. as a human being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And see – What's really also bothering me about this, and is part of the reason why there hasn't been change, is this is so deeply rooted in our culture. I mean, yeah. it's been around forever. I mean, we're talking about you know R. Kelly, Michael Jackson, well, Elvis Presley, yeah. Jerry Lewis, oh, that's true. The yep. Catholic Church. I mean, it's, <laughs> the Catholic Church. I mean, come on, right? Come on. This has been going on for so long. So it's like, you know, something today happening. Those same people came out of those same kind of either cultures or backgrounds, and like this is kind of you know, the thing you do. And then when you have money and power on top of that, you can do it at a, at a different level and mm-hmm. a different scale. Um, and and then, wasn't Jerry Seinfeld dating 17-year-old, you know? Uh, like, yeah. I probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, nothing's yeah. really surprises <laughs> me anymore at all. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about the church a little bit. Woo. Um, because I was having this conversation with my husband, and he said something that just clicked on why this happens so much. And it, and I didn't realize it until he said this, but obviously we've known priests, you know, have molested little mm-hmm. boys and it's been a common thing that's happened in the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. But he was saying that the reason it happens so much is because a lot of those priests are probably gay and because mm-hmm. they're shunned and not allowed to be who they are. And that's why they're not allowed to marry because they're gay. And that's why they take this vow, but then they ha- are reacting on their feelings because that's mm-hmm. who they're around. That might be, why? So if the church was a little bit more open with their LGBT stance, this may happen less. Hmm. And I think it's an interesting point, and I didn't actually think of it that way. 
because I was just like, these are just sick old men. Right. But like yeah, maybe but being, they're actually. But they're children, right? So being gay is not going to make you attracted to a true, child. True, 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 true. But I'm saying if they're only around boys and then themselves as the priest, let's say you have a class and it's just a class of boys and you're priests and you're naturally attracted to males, like that's all you're around. It's, yes, I get children, but I, I kind of understand what he's saying. Mm-hmm. I do think it's an interesting point. It's also uh, <clears throat> opportunity and the mm-hmm. child is, is very. You know, subservient to the man, available. So I, I and vulnerable, vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. For me, a lot of it, I see it as power because if you mm-hmm. think about it, what kind of person wants to become a priest or a pastor? You right. know, some people I do think they do it because they feel called, mm-hmm. but I also think that it's a position of power. Yeah. And you see a lot of. Uh, I didn't grow up in the Catholic Church, but I grew up in the Evangelical Church, mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of Evangelical pastors are megalomaniacs. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. they like mm-hmm. to. If you really pay, like the like my pastor growing up. And uh, Melinda knows a lot about my story. Like, so I, in my church that I grew up in, I was uh, like a couple of us. We were uh, victims of a, a pedophile in our church, and we told the pastor, and he covered it up, and he convinced us that it was our job as Christians to forgive. Mm. So we did, you know. And by the time I was old enough to understand that this is all bullshit. Uh, the crimes happened in New York. Mm. I was in Jersey. By the time I spoke up about it, the statutes of limitations were up. So none of us were able to. Oh, Who knew right, that? Right. We were victims were able to. And so he, so this pastor, he covered it up. He did like what you call an quote unquote inside healing. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, because he was a great preacher and everyone loved him. And mm-hmm. as I got older and I started thinking about him more, I was like, he was a great preacher, but he had no substance and mm. he had nothing to offer. And why do people like this want to lead churches? And I'm like, oh, who else would care about him anywhere mm-hmm. else? So mm-hmm. I think there is a, a thing of people with certain narcissistic tendencies or like wanting to be in charge or wanting to be powerful, enjoying power, mm-hmm. go into church leadership roles. You know right, what I mean? Right. So I think there is a, a aspect of enjoying having power over someone weaker than you that draws you to certain leadership. Because you see it everywhere. Like sometimes it's in like... Even, even politicians. <laughs> yeah, and even in really progressive radical movements, yeah. you see the leaders can be really dangerous men yes. a lot of times, yes, you know, yes, 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 because yes. they l- enjoy that position of power. Yeah. And you could have a church that maybe is feeding a lot of homeless people and doing all these nice things, and you don't want to ruin that for everybody. Right, right. Um, you know, I worked in domestic violence for a long time, and something we know about the domestic violence uh, world is there's a lot of workers who are really abusive to the clients. And it's like... They're here to escape domestic violence. Right, they don't need to get it from you. But, but we're, we're there because now we have a position of power over these these clients. They're running from their home. They're homeless. They're, they, they're weak, and you have so much power over their life. Yeah. So I think like um, people who need, who've been disempowered in their lives, mm-hmm. and it could be because, like what your husband said, it, maybe they were disempowered because they were gay, or maybe they were disempowered for other things. Mm-hmm. They could be so many different reasons. For sure, for sure. They need to have that, I think often need to have that position of power mm-hmm. uh, somewhere. Because if you think about this pastor of, of mine, like he had so much power over us. We yeah. all gave up all of our agency. Mm. I'm surprised there's a statue of limitations on that. In New York, seven years. Really? Oh, New York is one of the most backwards places in the <laughs> world wow. in the, when it comes to sexual... Like, very recently, uh, it stopped being illegal. Like, before, if a woman... like. It's this changed very recently in less than a year, a few months ago, where like before a few months ago, if, if, if you were being raped and you stabbed a man while he was raping you, you still had to go to jail for seven years for murder. This just changed in New York. Are you New York kidding? is one of the most backwards places in the world. Because wow. we always think New York City, remember New York State is a different yes, story. Yes, that is true. The New, York, New York State is one of the most backwards in the world, not in America, in the world mm-hmm. when it comes to rights for rape mm-hmm. victims and child sexual assault victims. Jersey doesn't have a statute of limitation. Hmm. Um, and I think that might have changed in New York by now, but at that time it was 
seven wow. years. I had no idea. Yeah. That's, That's crazy. Yeah, America has really backwards laws. What America has is a lot of white feminists who create an image <laughs> of yeah. how progressive our laws are yeah. about sexual assault <clears throat> and rape, but they're actually not really different than any other place in the world that we criticize. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, and New York is one of the worst places. There's southern states that have much more progressive laws when mm-hmm. it comes to rape and ch- sexual assault than New York. That's so shocking to me. Wow. But I think, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head when it's like New York City is different from the state. Mm-hmm. I think we forget and think about all these metropolitan cities, but it doesn't represent the state that it's actually I remember, in. in. LA, we're still in the same state as Bakersfield or... or Orange County. Orange or, County. I mean, yeah. I don't want to knock Bakersfield because I know that it's a it's an economically struggling area. Right. But, but there's a lot of Trump supporters out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same <laughs> with Orange County, but like you think of Las Vegas, you're like, oh, it's fun, but it's still in Nevada. Nevada. You know, yeah. like there's... Uh, Illinois. Like, yeah. I mean, Chicago is still in so the Midwest. Nice. As in Illinois, you know. Exactly. But yeah, I lived in, like I said, I lived in Chicago for a while. So I was only around like Obama supporters because, you know, my husband went to University of Chicago. Everybody loves Obama. But when you go outside, you go up to like Naperville and you go up north. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's it's shocking. And another thing I wanted to even like say about the pastor, like the covered it up. The reason why is to not lose the tithes for the church. And if something like this, a scandal like this breaks out in the church, everyone loses money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was a white pastor in a quote unquote diverse church, meaning rural diverse and didn't know we were being oppressed by our white mm-hmm. pastor and <laughs> and white pastors often um, like a lot of like my family is from South Asia and South Asian pastors usually have their own jobs but most white American pastors don't have their own incomes mm-hmm. they survive on the tithes from the church mm-hmm. so now he's in a position to oppress all of us to make sure there's food on the table for mm-hmm. his kids mm-hmm. you know, it's Speak on it. right, right. Mm-hmm. but the problem with that is that the victims are always blamed mm-hmm. And, and we didn't forgive. We were bad Christians for right. not forgiving. Wow. And, and, and if you were to speak up, if you were to you know, bring down the church, quote unquote, mm-hmm. it, it would be your fault because you were doing what was right. You were mm-hmm. speaking up against this person that wronged you. And, and we've seen that happen in the entertainment industry often. Mm-hmm. And it happened in a recent situation that we were talking mm-hmm. about um, with Lena Waithe's show, The Chai. Well, Lena, uh, Lena Waithe, she did a lot of really great work, right, for the Time's Up movement. And uh, but recently, you know, the Tiffany Boone, who was an uh, actor on the on the show, she has been very vocal within the show that uh, her co-star Jason Mitchell mm-hmm. was harassing her on the show, and he's an up and coming star. He's a great, talented actor, right? And uh, he's beloved, and he's a big deal. And so this was going on for 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 a few seasons until she's the one who ended up uh, losing her job on the show. And Lena Waithe is a Time's Up (laughs) activist, you know, so it was really, and then, so anyway, because he's a great actor and and Netflix loves working with up and comers, Netflix put him on a bunch of movies for them. And then he started harassing white women. And as soon as these white women stepped forward that he was harassing them, he got fired immediately off of Netflix. Mm. And then it came back to The Shy, where now all of a sudden, because he got fired from these shows on Netflix, he got fired off of that show. You know, it wasn't because a black woman was speaking up about mm-hmm. him harassing her. Mm-hmm. It was because white these white. I mean, I'm glad they spoke up. Nobody deserves to be harassed. But Netflix was prote- protected their own, mm-hmm. uh, and then it came back to him. And uh, I don't know if you Lena Waithe uh, was explaining it on um, the Breakfast Club. She went on the Breakfast Club mm-hmm. to try, which is interesting because the show also run by a rapist <laughs> and trying to explain, Jeez, yeah. <laughs> trying to explain <laughs> her reasoning. And she was just talking in circles and. I like her work. I think she does amazing work. I think her presence is incredibly important. It's not that I'm trying to... 
criticizing someone is not the same thing as canceling them. I just want to put that out there. I know people. Amen. I love that. uh, I love that. But as soon as uh, we all, it's easy to talk, but we all change when it affects us. You know what I mean? When you have something to lose, it becomes a different story. Absolutely, because we're focused on you know Mm -hmm. our livelihood, our family, how we're going to put food on the table. Not the victim there. Not at all. But that's what makes it so sad is that we can't realize that doing the right thing eventually you're going to get blessed if Mm -hmm. you do the right thing. That's how I feel. At least that's how I operate. I mean, if you look at the the Central Park Five, mm-hmm. even in the documentary, I remember watching and thinking, "What's up with the girl? Mm. Like, she's completely out of the picture." I know the five mm-hmm. guys were completely, you know, nobody even asked her. Like, she was her, she had no voice in any of it. No, nope. right? Nope. I mean, now she has one. It's not great, unfortunately. But I'm like, yeah. if you just, if we change the perspective and the focus on instead of trying to like the alleged mm-hmm. perpetrators. But let's look at the victim. If you just simply focus on the victim, you'll probably find the actual mm. perpetrator. But we yeah. don't do that. We we because mm-hmm. the job of the police department is to find somebody. Yeah. We need to put something in in this role of the of the mm. <clears throat> rapist or whatever, mm-hmm. just to fill a quota, just to get it done. Mm-hmm. Now we look at we did something versus yeah. it may take longer to do it the right way mm-hmm. to actually look at the victim and then work that way. Let's, let's start at her focus and then work out. Mm-hmm. They just looked around. Oh, I see some people and let's try to get them connected to. The crime right. and make up a story that works to right. keep the public under control. Exactly, right. and when right. the public means scared white people, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. let's just be let's honest. Just be honest. <laughs> right. It's just so concerning to me, and I don't know if this will ever change, but how little protection women of color specifically mm-hmm. have in these situations. Like even when you go back to the Harvey Weinstein situation, all these white women came forward, and the Lapita said he did something to her too. He was like, "I never did that to her." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, so the black woman comes forward, and you're going to deny it?" But all these white men and white women and you don't say anything. The mm. only two women he de- denied was Selma Hayek and Lupita Nyong'o. Women of color. Wow. The only two. Everyone else, he he just like, oh, I apologize, this, that, and the other. Yeah, it's it's disgusting, honestly. And I, it's the same thing with you know uh, Tiffany getting fired. There's just no protection around women of color when those vo- when we use our voices. But I wonder how much that also goes back to kind of intersectionality within mm-hmm. feminism. Because I don't think there are enough white women actually standing up for women of color when these situations happen to let them know, hey, Time's Up and Me Too is for you as well. Even though Me Too was founded by a black, a black woman. woman. <laughs> I think white women will speak for women of color when it becomes a vehicle for their white supremacy. Hmm. So they're fine going to countries in the global south. They'll go to Kenya and Nigeria and be like, look at your rape culture. You know what I mean? Yeah. And try to make them, even though like the statistics are statistics are pretty similar mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. across. Not to say it's not a big deal in Africa. Of course, it's a big. we don't want women there getting harmed right. either. Of course. But the statistics, statistically, it's not that different, you know? And But yet, the, I think white women will be very vocal to defend non-white women if, it, if, it, if it's a vehicle for their own white supremacy or a way to be like, oh, we, our men are better. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, because a lot of their work is just defending bad behavior of white men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, women of, white women will definitely speak up for of non-white victims when it benefits them. Right. But for when it comes to, like, act- if it could hurt a white man, the silence is deafening. Well, yeah, because, like, yeah. if I'm trying to get my thing over here, like, I'm trying to get my money, but then if I connect your agenda to mine, it slows me down. Mm-hmm. So why would I do that? Mm. Let, let me get my thing first, and then maybe I'll bring you on in the back end. But like, no, nah, I need to get to my thing. I, I understand that you want, you know, quality and all that. But yeah, but it's like, it's you're women. Like it's it's all of you. You all have this issue to deal with. Yeah, but if you're white, it's it is a little easier. So why not reach back and help someone out? Right, right. And I think also like, um, 
money has such a big deal with big part of who gets justice and who doesn't for sure because like the white feminist movement in many ways is a capitalist industry you know like Gloria Steinem has this like multi-million dollar business which she calls feminism you know people get mad if I mention her because they're like she's the queen I'm like she's not my queen right. she's your queen you can keep Gloria Steinem and you can keep Susan B. Anthony I'm not interested in either one of them right, right. but you know but like <laughs> but you know it's a for, for white feminism is a really big industry right like if you just think about it like oh female CEO so now women have to be slaves of the corporate system as well. Like, you know what I mean? It's not right. really freeing us. Right, right, right. So, so much of it, you know, and I, I, I was in Kenya. I, w- I lived in Kenya for two years mm. as a part of an NGO. And that's when I really learned... Like, I was very innocent and stupid when I went out there. Mm. And I never went back because I'm like, I'm gentrifying another country by just existing here. This is stupid. Let me go back to my oh, country. <laughs> and they really don't need us there. Uh, African people are very educated. Mm. We don't need to go there and take their jobs. You know, it's not necessary. Yeah. Well, they didn't need but. to go over there and bring us here in the first place. That's another conversation. <laughs> wow. But, wow. Uh, you know, for me as an Asian woman over there, like, t- having a good job is ridiculous. Like, yeah. why am I here stealing a job yeah. from an African woman? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no yeah. sense, which is, like why people are like why don't you go back you don't like us like I loved it but <laughs> I didn't love who I was mm-hmm. what my role was there you know yeah. but a lot of that is money you know you people you give people credit like I went and I fought hum- this humanitarian uh, issue in Rwanda for 18 years and then we build these people idols in America and then the thing and I'm like but why were you there for 18 years yeah. you should have been there for like six months to a year training somebody they didn't have the access and then come on come home and let yeah. Rwandan women do the work you know yeah. what I mean they'll do yeah. it better than us uh, yeah, American yeah, yeah. Westerners, but and then, but they, but for those eighteen years, that was an income, mm-hmm. and that's what people don't understand. Like so much of that, of the feminist, it like, quote, and I'm a feminist. I'm not knocking feminism, mm-hmm. but the quote unquote feminist work out there is an industry. It's a business. NGO workers are all there. They get paid money. Like I never lived rich in America, but when I was there, my American income, which was a small income for America, like went far i came home with tons of savings mm. i had a beautiful house mm. i had two pe- i hired two people to clean my house like i never c- mopped the floor <laughs> in the in the whole time you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. you live well so i think a lot of it is that this is a business and mm. in the end victims are never gonna get and justice when everything is like running as a business. Am I off topic? No, Am you're I totally being? fine. We we, okay. we talk about everything. We're going, no, you're doing you're doing good. So I think like victims are not really gonna get because like if you think about it, you think okay, there were these NGOs in these countries for this many years. We had these nonprofits in America for all these years. Why isn't things changing? Because once you solve the problem, where are you gonna get your money from? Right. You know what I mean. So it's not right. like you're not like as long if you solve the issue you went out to solve or you're, if you've accomplished your mission statement, you're out of a job. Mm-hmm. And if you think of how big the NGO world is and how many generations of people it's a family business yeah. you know and yeah. so uh and even here nonprofit work so i feel like for victims like so yeah so if we if just the the reason why a lot of victims don't get um justice is we live in this global capitalist system where there's always money to be lost as mm-hmm. soon as you really do the work mm-hmm. right like uh you know like for me just being in the comedy world and there's like a whole circle of activist comics and a lot of them will, do, they're very, it's very steeped in cancellation, ca- cancel culture. This person mm-hmm. says the wrong thing, cancel them. That per- and sometimes I'm like, okay, this person just moved here from Tennessee, let's teach them. Yeah. They might not have had the same mm-hmm. access. Right. You right, know, right, and right, I don't right, think right. we need to, I think we should have standards, but I don't think we need to cancel everybody. Right. Right. And then sometimes, to a margin, some people are just going to say things I don't like and there's nothing I can do about it. For sure. And then so there's another margin where I'm like, yeah, let me talk to this person. You know, let me mm-hmm. give them a chance. But we cancel. But then I would notice that some, particularly male comics, are very bad behavior. The same person who's canceling this like 
you know, barista from Tennessee <laughs> over saying the wrong word will allow, like, let that bad behavior from someone slide a billion times if mm-hmm. they're connected to television. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, as long as we, like, because entertainment's a business, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and so, nonprofit work is a business. Activism is a business. Mm-hmm. Advocacy is a business. These are all things people get paid to do. For yeah. sure. For sure. So I think as long as our system is so capitalist, unregulated, this unregulated capitalism that we have, and it's like, it's not for the people. We're not distributing wealth. We're not taxing the one percent. You know, as long as we have this system, there's very little we could we can do outside philosophy for victims. Mm-hmm. Well, we can do, but there's very little we will do. Right. <laughs> Besides right. adapting right. the right quote unquote correct philosophy for victims. For sure. So think like was it in in Haiti had its major earthquake. <clears throat> I think the Red Cross raised some seventy six million dollars, mm. and they built eight houses. Yeah. Yep, eight barely eight any houses. of that money went to them. Like what? Like, what they, I, that boggles my mind. Like, yeah. We gave them this much money. That country is still poor, mm-hmm. right? One hundred percent. So like, and they're gonna make sure it stays poor. Exactly. Because, <laughs> because how are they gonna keep raising money exactly. for other for poor countries if poor countries aren't poor anymore? Aren't poor anymore. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about that before. Right? It's like if you don't have a purpose anymore, then you 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 can't. It's why they won't uh, cure cancer, probably. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> or at least tell us where it's coming from. Right. Oh man, see, we could talk about a bunch <laughs> of stuff. Um, but before we wrap up, I've noticed that the word feminism kind of gives people a bad taste mm-hmm. in their mouth. But it really just means that you are for equal rights mm-hmm. for women. So, do you think white women have changed the definition of feminism or have given it a bad connotation? <sighs> well, I think yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just white women, because I think there's also like within non-white communities, there's also our equivalents of our own white people. True, true. And I, true. so I think definitely like privileged women. Okay, yeah, have that's a great way to put without it. a non non intersectional worldview, mm-hmm. or who are actually literally competing because they want to be the the white man, mm-hmm. you know, and they mm-hmm. see it's in reach and they're using feminism as a tool to get there, mm-hmm. has given it a really bad reputation. I think exploiting the term feminist or exploiting really well-intentioned people who are joining your movement because they want equality, but you're using them for your platform kind of thing. So I think there's a lack of education of what feminism is. And Mm -hmm. because of that, it's harder to name who's using it and who's sincere, you know, but yeah, yeah, definitely. I think privileged women with um, power and money and a platform that Mm -hmm. their privilege gives them definitely corrupted the term or people's views of it because we need feminism to survive. For sure. For sure. Carmel, how can we move forward to hold people accountable? Like when you know that there's sexual assault happening or know that there's issues happening in a situation, how do we hold people accountable? I think there has to be some sort of standard or a way of, it's kind of weird to say this, but almost championing that person. Like if someone's a whistleblower, the term already is like a negative connotation. So if we create something that creates a, that, you know, a situation where that person is almost like championed, like, oh, they did this, they helped this person out and give them some, not a reward, but something that makes them feel like, okay, that was cool that I did that. Mm. Um, I think that will create people to start thinking, okay, if I do that, I'll be treated that way. Mm. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. we see a situation where someone does the right thing, uh, everything is handled and justice is served, but that person is still looked at as a whistleblower, or yeah. they did they get something blacklisted. wrong, they get blacklisted. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, I'm like, there's got to be a way where we change that because it's not—it's not going to happen monetarily. No one's affecting people's money. That's not going to happen. But if we can <laughs> somehow or another help people who do say something feel better about what they did, I think that changes it. 
Awesome. Yeah, like rewarding yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. Well, we're so glad that you joined yeah. us. And do you want to tell us a little bit about the comedy album that you have out before oh, we wrap yeah. up? <laughs> so, uh, I am a stand-up comic, and uh, I'm a little less serious. No, actually, I'm still serious. <laughs> <It's just that laughs> I am who I am. But I'm a stand-up comic, and my comedy partner, who's also my boyfriend, Lenny Shelton, we just uh, released a comedy album called Brownie Points. Nice. Uh, it's on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you listen oh. to music. Uh, you can find it. It's also on CD Baby, available for download as well, well as streaming. And it's, uh, as you can imagine, political and social issues. Very <laughs> but cool. super funny, too. It's hilarious. I so love please it. check where, it out. And where can our listeners find you on social media? Uh, you can check me out Instagram, Raja Michael Comedy, on Twitter at Raja Christina. Christina's my middle name. <laughs> and love you it. could, yeah, but I, I, um, I'm more active on Instagram. So please follow me on Instagram and Twitter, whatever you prefer. Um, yeah, and that's, cool. that's about it. Wonderful. <laughs> well, in typical We Need to Talk fashion, we love to end every episode on a positive <laughs> note by highlighting a organization, person, or community that we think you should follow that's doing good in the world. So, Carmel, who do we have this week? This week, uh, we have Foundation for a Slavery-Free World. Yes. Um, their goal is to eradicate all forms of modern-day slavery, whether it's adult or child sex slavery, uh, uh, bondage to debt, slave labor, any of that, any mm-hmm. kind of way we're in bondage or slavery in such a way. Um, their founder is Marisol Nichols. Um, she's a star on the show Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually doing a show with her, an event on October 2nd with Regard Magazine and her foundation. Oh, awesome, awesome. At, uh, hopefully, I think it's at the Chateau Marmont on October 2nd. Um, so you can find her on slaveryfreeworld.org, also on Twitter at slavery underscore free. Very cool. Well, thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. And this episode of We Need to Talk is brought to you by Black Root, the darkest, richest, boldest coffee anywhere.